Today on Hype Woman, the podcast, we chat with Margaret Hirsch. Margaret Hirsch is an executive director of Hirsch's Home Stores, the largest independently owned appliance, electrics and home furnishing retail outlet in Southern Africa that is now in its 43rd year. She is the enviable recipient of many international and local awards for her business, social and charitable work, which has uplifted communities around Africa. For many years, she has been heavily involved with women and youth empowerment projects throughout South Africa. She personally visits schools around the country, motivating, encouraging and inspiring the youth. A project that she took on earlier this year was the mentorship of the Mrs. South Africa contestants, helping them to understand the importance of community, upliftment programs, and also giving them advice on business leadership. Welcome to Hype Woman, the podcast, Margaret Hirsch. So today on Hype Woman, the podcast, we have with us Margaret Hirsch. I've, I've already recorded an, an introduction. But Margaret, just just so we have a bit of background, when I was a little girl, my parents had a bakery, or they still have one, in the CBD of Durban in South Africa. And I remember as a child, I think it was around eight years or so, like after school, because that's what we did back in the days before iPads. And I would go next door and you guys had the Hirsch's store then. I don't know if it was the first one, but we would come over and sit on the carpets and watch TV or at least whatever we could watch. And, and that was how we passed our time. But it was really fascinating to see how over the years, and I mean, I've, I've moved to Germany now and to see how you've grown the business from a, as you said, like a mom's and pop store to a national brand. Before we get there, I'm just going to say, what was Margaret like as a young girl? Well, I was, you know, my father died when I was 10. So I was, I headed up a child headed household because my mother couldn't cope in the world. She was thrown into a world where she really couldn't cope. And so, you know, it was very, very different in those days. And I headed up a child headed household. My mother remarried. And so we, and she gave up work. And Mm -hmm. and so we really, really poor because my stepfather earned 50 grand a month and we were five children. He had three and my mother had two. So it was a really, really tough upbringing. But you know, the strange thing is we didn't know any difference. We didn't know that we didn't know that other people had more than we had. We thought that's what life was like. Absolutely. I realized once I left school, so I, so I would say in my matric year, we were 12 girls, eight got married the first year out of school. Because in those days, if you were poor, people would marry you off very, very quickly because they didn't have to anymore and so I got engaged age 17 and I, my fiance worked for the railways which in those days was considered a fantastic job you got a wonderful pension and then suddenly one day I just saw my whole life flash in front of my eyes and I was suddenly a, a railway pensioner and I just said oh my god there's more to life than this yeah so I saved up my money I jumped on the Pendennis Castle which took three weeks to get to London and I went to work in London at the new type secretarial bureau as a temp uh-huh. and I would over London and all sorts of different places. I got engaged to a Chinese man. And when my mother found that out, she said, you come home. And <laughs> we were so used to listening to our parents. We never, ever, never entered my head to say I wasn't coming home. I just got on the next plane and came oh, home. Yeah. And I think that's strange. If you read May Musk's book, her father told her to marry this fellow that she didn't yeah. even like. And she wow. did 
father told us. In those days, we listened to our parents. Whether they, what they told us was right or wrong, we listened. So I came back to South Africa, but it was very fortunate because that's where I met my husband, who I've been married to now for 50 odd years. So, you know, it all panned out for and the rest of the end. But at the time, when I think about it, my mother just said to me, come home. And I left my fiance there, my whole future, which would have been very different from the future I've got now, and came back to South Africa. And, and then, yeah, and then I met Alan and we married. And us was a cross-cultural marriage, so it was a very, very difficult set, set up. But neither of our parents wanted us to marry each other. My parents didn't want me to marry him, and his parents certainly didn't want him to marry me. So we had to wait till I turned 21. In those days, you got married much younger than you did today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my mom was the same. My, my parents were exactly that. Like My mom got married when she was 16, and I was born when she was 17. Yes. And I think I spent the rest of my adult life trying to do exactly the opposite of yes. what she's done. <laughs> you, do, you know, it's such a learning curve. And, and I looked at my parents and I really knew I did not want to be like them. And they were yeah. sort of people. They, they got yeah. everybody, went to work, earned a little bit of money, were happy with what they had. But I just knew there was more out there. And the reason I do these podcasts is to show other people there is so much more out there. You know, I never knew. But you can't have it all at once. A lot of people want everything all at once. Yeah. You can't have it all at once because you can't handle that amount of money from, from when you're used to a little bit. So I had to sort of start earning a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And when I met my husband, he was earning 25 rand a week as an apprentice. So I certainly never married him for his money. <laughs> on that that amount of money and we saved my salary to, to be able to buy our first house so you know it's you just sort of you you evolve to it you know so we yeah absolutely house. we started the business with literally nothing and we just grew it slowly but surely and in the beginning it takes a long time and that's why most people give up yeah. because they takes a long time initially, but if you just keep building one brick at a time, you, the, the, the wall does start to grow, and then eventually you start to see. How I show people is I get a checkers board. You know the black and white checkers board? And I put one grain of rice on the first block, two grains on the second block, four grains on the third block, you know, eight grains on that. Yeah. Until eventually you've got a big pile of rice. And, yeah, you know, yeah shows you that you've got to start slowly until you get a lot. And that's what most people don't understand. And that's what I try and teach them. You know, God gives you a little bit of money. He sees how you handle it. If you handle it well, he gives you some more. If you waste it and you don't handle it well, you just don't get any more. And that's why a lot of people stay poor because they don't know yeah. how to that extra little bit of money. Oh, wow. A lot of people get, you know, they'll go and get a grant or a, you know, a, a loan. loan. Yeah funding or something like that they get a million thinking that it's gonna solve their problems but it's not because it's what you do with the little that will tell you what you know how would you handle much more what i want to ask is though you know like at the beginning of you know when you guys started the business how did you have the wisdom to know because i i see this with a lot of i think bootstrapping businesses or like you know a lot of businesses stay small but when did you decide, okay, it's time to grow. Let's take this next step. How did you learn? I mean, and, and this is something, again, like I've seen the evolution of the brand, you know, in the beginning, everybody wore these blue uniforms, like, you know, as part of the brand. And yes. I actually remember you back then and you look completely different to now. And you've like got, undergone this like sort of like reinvention of your style and and you stand out, but it, it makes sense because, with social media now, there was no social media back then. How did you make this this transition? How so did you know I, to make this transition? You know, well, first of all, I had pitch black hair. And <laughs> yeah. 
So I had to do something about it. So then I decided to go blonde. Actually, when I went to Joburg, I went blonde. So we were in Durban and we grew our Durban branch. And then we, we, we started in Durban North. Then we grew it to Broad Street. Then we bought the Old Nero and Broad and Pine Town. So we were in Pine Town. And then we, which eventually evolved to Hillcrest. And then when, yeah, my son was about 25 and he couldn't find a wife. And my best friend said to me, my best, never going to find a wife because she pushed your mother. So I went home, I said to my husband, we go to Joburg. He said, why are we going to Joburg? I said, because Richard can't find a wife. Oh my so goodness. Send him to Joburg. I said, because I don't know those Joburg girls, but I know every girl in Durban. So we're going to leave him here. We're going to go to Joburg, get out of his hair. Thank you, Lord. Ten years later, he found the wife. But anyway, it was a long haul. But in the meantime, we had great fun in Joburg because, you know, Durban people, to them, Joburg's like Timpunk too. You know, they don't want right. But we went there and it was like the Wild West. So we bought our first store in four ways and I had nowhere to live because obviously I had my house in Durban and, and I didn't need another house. Yeah. So I said to the builder when he built it, I said, can you throw a slab in here? He said, yes. I said, can you put three bedrooms and three bathrooms up there in the kitchen? He said, yes. So I lived above my shop in four ways. Wow. Um, in those days, and it was wild then. I mean, you know, my neighbors were a thousand ostriches. We lived next to an ostrich farm. There's nothing in four ways in those days. And people would break in at night, and we'd be upstairs, and we'd shoot downstairs and shoot holes in the fridges of all the robbers while they were trying to break in and get rid of them. And, you know, it was, it really was like the Wild West, but we just persevered through that. And then one day we were taking a drive around and we found this place called Schumann's Valley. And I, I Googled it and it was, the Schumann's Valley is the first place in South Africa they found gold. So I said, wow. oh, this like a nice place. They found gold. Maybe we will. That's Schumann's Valley. Bro. So it all, it evolved slowly. We, uh, Schumann's yeah. Valley, you know, we built the shop and, you know, and, and we grew it. And then we went to Centurion and in Centurion, all the land was owned by the old Brunabons and they wouldn't sell to us. So we had to go into partnership with another guy who could oh, buy the land. We bought our Centurion store. And we every time we moved, we stayed above the shop because sure. we had nowhere else to live. And we didn't feel like traveling. You know, Joburg traffic's terrible. Yeah, so we yeah, yeah. Back above the shop and we lived in Strubens. We built a flat above the shop and we lived in Centurion. And then we moved to Meadowdale. We built a flat above the shop. We moved to Meadowdale. So wherever we moved, we just lived above the shop because it was very convenient and it was fine and, and it didn't cost any money, which was yeah, really yeah. Oh, so well, What is interesting, though, is like at every step, like, I mean, you've already, you've already expressed so many parts where it could have gone wrong or where yeah. you could have, like, said, no, this is not working. Like, you know, for instance, and we'll talk about this as well, like resilience. How do you decide, okay, to carry on? Or, or, you know, to persevere through it because, like, not everyone has this tenacity to keep going on. Well, I think for a start, we didn't have a backstop. So neither of our families would back us because they didn't want us to be married to each other because we were cross-cultural. Yeah. So um, we didn't have a family to pull back. We had no way back. There wasn't a way back. We could only go forward. And it didn't. It wasn't all smooth sailing. You know, in 1988, I bought a, a shop in Peter Marisburg, which was a family-owned business like ours. It was like a match made in heaven. He wanted two million rand for his business. I had two million rand yeah. in the bank time gave him the money he signed all the papers but what he'd done is he held back all the checks he showed that he paid all his creditors but he held all the checks back and the day that i signed and gave him my two million rand he released three million rands worth of checks so i went from having two million rand in the bank to three million rand in in one afternoon I mean, you think it had taken us 10 years to make that 2 million rand, and it just went, but not only it went, another 3 million rand. So people said you started with nothing. I said I started twice because I started with nothing the first time, but I started minus 3 million the second time. So, And we had to build that that up, and it was so hectic. And the part of the agreement was we would buy his shop in a year. 
And when the year was up, we went to buy the shop and he said, I'm sorry, I'm moving back and I'm putting the business into my son's name and I'm actually starting up an opposition to you. And by the way, you can move straight onto the street because we don't want you here. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's not as if everybody's going to be nice and sweet and kind to you all the way along. Yeah, yeah. He's nice to us. But, you know, he died a very unhappy, lonely man, and we continue to flourish. So, you know, and we've had lots of, of break-ins and thefts over the years, but all the people who've stolen from us have never, ever prospered, but we've continued. Yeah. So, you know, when the, the, the trouble hits, you just have to work through it. And you, at the end of the day, you prosper. And for people who have businesses, and, and there's, I, I work with entrepreneurs all the time, there's never mm-hmm. one who trusted somebody with money who hasn't been had money taken from them. I always say to them, don't worry about it because that person will never prosper. But you, if you just keep on doing what you do well, you will prosper. And that's how we've been. So yeah. we've been through everything. You know, we've been through floods, we've been through fires, we've been through looting. I mean, we sat and watched been through COVID. We went through COVID. But what was worse than COVID was watching our store being looted in front of our very yeah. eyes. Yeah. We need to fill a, a big store. It takes four days. It took them two hours to completely empty it. And, and you know, you have the, 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 the footage of it. And I think you posted yeah. this on social media. What I found really interesting, and, and I... I mean, my parents also have a business in, in KZN. And I, I remember this day so clearly because it was also my birthday and I never slept through the night. I was just like checking all the social media feeds, like messaging my, my cousins, my friends to find out if everyone's okay. And I remember that your post, and this is why it stood out to me, is you were very encouraging as yeah. opposed to being angry. Yeah. And, and that for me was like, wow, okay, she's she's a really good leader. Yeah, I think, you know, having been through a lot, and that's why I want to say to people, when you're going through the hard times, it teaches you what to do when they get really hard times. I mean, hard times yeah. I went through, nothing compared to that. But I, what it taught me and what I'd learned along the way is you have to forgive because holding on to hatred is like holding on to a hot coal. The only person who gets burnt is you. Yeah. So I had to release that and, and forgive the people. And, you know, and, and being a Christian, it says in the Bible, I father forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. And the Lord says, forgive those who trespass against us. You know, we forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to forgive them before I could move on. So I stood there and there's a picture of me actually, you know, they said, to my building as well so it was a real mess you know, yeah, yeah. even the tiles had melted it was so hot in there so you know, I stood in the ruins of this burnt down building and I had to say father forgive them for they know not what they do wow. and when I did that it released so much of all that anger and pressure that from me it released it and then I had the the the, the courage to go forward and I said all I can do now is start cleaning up and we just started cleaning and cleaning cleaning so I found the staff I said come in we can't open today but I'm here I'm cleaning up and when they knew I was there then they because remember we couldn't get out of our houses at that yeah. time it was yeah. they used to get out of their houses they came down they helped and what they said would take us two and a half years to get right we managed in nine days wow and uh, through nine days of and we had to do everything ourselves because painters, we couldn't get painters, we couldn't get glass for the windows, we couldn't get tilers, we had to tile the stuff ourselves. Was all the tiles melted, so we took them up, retile the place, repaint it, get all the stock back in. And yeah, it was a very hectic time because they didn't only they looted the Springfield store. Then the next night we got we got a tip off that they were coming for our health care store. So we were all on the roads, but they came down the railway line at the back of the store. But luckily somebody saw them and we all had to run and chase them away. 
The next night, they tried to get into Amshlanga's store and we had to shoot from the woods to to chase them away. So, you know, it wasn't an easy time. And then they went for our big warehouse and that would have been a major, major thing. So that was really going to be something. And we had to just around that and and we had people going down trying to chase them back so it was a whole week of actual trauma but we had to and the nice thing about starting as soon as we started the other people around us started and so yeah yeah and how do you process all of that i mean there's been so much of transitions i think in this business and also you know growing teams how did you how did you become the type of entrepreneur or leader to create a work culture where you know your employees are now like this community not just you know you know it's not just like this how do you say how do you empower your staff yeah, we, well, we train them every single day because, you know, I always say to everybody, your, your greatest asset is your staff. So you've got to empower them every single day without fail. Mm-hmm. So every morning without fail, we have a meeting. And the, the good thing that came out of Zoom is that I can do all 24 branches at once. So I go to Zoom like this. There's all my 24 branches there, 2,500 people looking back at me. And every morning I start off with motivating them. They, and they do it as well. One of them will motivate. One will, we say what they're grateful for. They'll say what they're proud to work for the company. They tell a joke we complement each other so it's a very much a a empowering type of thing we always finish with a song they know the words of the song so they sing them and it's all an empowering type of songs you know i I know i I believe i can i believe i will i believe i know my dreams are real you know so things like that and so we sing and as you sing you immediately feel good and when you finish that meeting no matter where they've come from what sort of a household they've come from what sort of negative things they've had happen at home Uh Oh, full of life, full of joy, and ready to take on the day. Because happy staff make happy customers. You can't have unhappy staff. Absolutely. So our culture is very, very strong. And there's some that cannot fit into our culture because you've got to get over yourself. You've got to be able to stand there and sing and yeah. dance. You know, we do like the Jerusalem or something. Yeah. People say, I'm not going to do this. It's not my style. Well, then you don't fit into our culture because we, we get over ourselves. We do the Jerusalem. We do the songs. We, we dance every day. Yeah. And that's how we start our day. So we start on a very, on a high and it just gets better from there. So when did you start, when did you start bringing this into, into the company? Yeah, for my 50th birthday, which was 22 years ago, my husband gave me an Anthony Robbins ticket. So we went and we trained with ah. Anthony Robbins how to do a job. Anthony Robbins, you know, trained under Jim Rohn. So we yeah. now studied Jim Rohn, Anthony Robbins. But we also went to Disney University. Disney University is one of the biggest universities in the world and trains across all genres. So uh, you can, um, so we train under business, but it does everything from laundries to events to everything. It's an ma- amazing university. And all our top managers went and we all trained there. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So you could pretty much start like a whole like entrepreneur school on the side. Speaking of like expanding your brand, because this is also what I find super interesting. You started off as a repair store and then selling appliances, but you didn't just stay there. Like you now run the Motivational Mondays, these online workshops for entrepreneurs. You're also involved in Mrs. South Africa as a mentor to the woman. So yeah, did I miss out on anything? And Mr. South Africa's 
But, um, so, so everybody said, but Margaret, you're always working with women. What about the men? So I said, oh, what about the men? I, you know, so um, there are 59, 49 finalists for Mr. South Africa, and I'm working with them. And in fact, yesterday, Puard, who's one of them, was at my Entrepreneurs Club in Cape Town. Because now, when COVID, we always used to have them live in store. Then when COVID hit, we went online. Yeah. But now we can have them live in store again. So we did our first one in Joburg. We had 120 women. It was fantastic. I did the second one in KwaZulu-Natal. I had about 100 women and 20 men, which was also fantastic. And yes, in Cape Town, I had 110 men and women all mixed. So it's just so nice that all the entrepreneurs have come back because your know, people like to network. They like to yes. help each other. And yes. my great story is when some of my networkers start working with each other and they start to grow each other's businesses and they do incredibly well. Yeah. But when did you decide, like, okay, we're going to venture out into these other spaces? Because for a lot of businesses, we're like, well, this is our business. That has yeah. nothing to do. Like, why would someone who's running an apply? Clients or go become a mentor for Mrs. South Africa and Mr. South Africa. Like, how yeah. did you see that this would be great for your brand? Well, my target market is women between the ages of 25 and, and 55. Yeah. And Mrs. South Africa, you've got to be between 25 and 55. Mm-hmm. So that was my target market. And right. uh, it's, I thought, what better way than to get women who are representing my target market to come on board with me? So they come on board with me and they've done the most amazing videos to advertise my products. Yeah. That I mean, we have. Last year, I met once a week with them. This month, this year, I'm, I'm, I'm doing once a month because I'm traveling quite a bit at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, and we have amazing meetings. I put them through training courses. I've got my friend, Kerry Dell, who actually is in New Zealand. He's been training them on the power of six on how to be the best of them that they can possibly be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I work with, I love working with people. I love to see people grow. I, my, the books that I'm writing is called From Ordinary to Extraordinary. And the extra that makes a big, big difference, yeah. And you you spoke twice like about faith. How does faith play a role in your business as a life? When you grow up without a father, you have to realize that your heavenly father walks with you every inch of the way of your life. And you, you you have got a guiding force and you can ask a question. You always get the answer. You may not like the answer, but you always get the answer. So um, I meditate a lot. And I always say when you pray, it's when you talk to God. When you meditate, God talks to you. So I let God talk to me. I ask him more questions and I wait and I always get the right answer. So your faith, I think, is extremely important. And I always say to my staff, I don't care whether you pray to God, Buddha, Allah, no, Rama, yeah. whatever. So long as you have that awe oh, in your life, and you ha- and you know that you don't walk this journey alone, and I think it's just so comforting to know that you don't walk the yeah. journey alone. It's a tough journey. Life is tough. You know, it's not going to be a, a bowl of cherries. Let's believe it. But if you can just know that you have got somebody walking with you along the way, it just makes uh-huh. the journey much easier. Absolutely. Let's talk about your social media presence. Uh, again, you know, I mean, here's the thing, like the younger generation is very comfortable with using social media. The older generation, and, and I, I work in marketing and in, in digital media, and I see the challenges, like, I, you know, even with my parents as well. But how did you get to this place where you're so comfortable, you know, you're always doing these lives online, you're, how did you get over that? Like, I mean, do you have any imposter syndrome to begin with? No, I don't have imposter syndrome because I'm very sure of myself. I'm very confident in myself. And I think as women, we all had that imposter syndrome, but I just decided that this is the real me. And that's why I put myself out there and I'm comfortable yeah. putting myself out there. I'm not, people say, what, what don't we know about you? I say, you know everything about me. I have no secrets. Everybody knows everything about me. So, but I don't work, and no man is an island and a woman's only as good as her backup team. So I have mm-hmm. a fabulous backup team headed by Shane Spencer, yeah. who's my assistant. Well, you met Faye, my, yes. my 
man. And then Shane is my assistant who helps me with my social media. He's a social media strategist. Yep. He has his own business. And that's also about Hershey's. We encourage all our staff to have two streams of income. So all of our staff who work for me have a second business as oh, well. Wow. Shane works for me, but he has a social media business. And, and with that, he, he does my social media for me, helps me with it. This is literally is a full-time job, you know, from yeah. uh, recording the TikToks, recording all the Instagram feeds, uh, putting it all out there, being on Facebook. I mean, we take over a th- one to 2,000 comments a day on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. People asking questions, people asking for advice, people asking for money. You know, we do. Yeah, yeah. I, I get about three or four marriage Community proposals. management, yeah. So I get marriage proposals every week. It's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's yeah, and I knew that I couldn't do it myself. So I got yeah. somebody expert to help me and he's amazing yeah. helps me a lot with that and yeah it's uh, you know you've got to keep on top of it now tiktok is really starting to take yes, over and it is. it's amazing choppy i am so hopeless at dancing so i have to learn to dance so um I'm, i've got a friend called warren who i hope is going to teach me to dance because he's a dance teacher because I, you just have to evolve yourself into these roles you know yeah, and just, yeah. With the flow, whatever is trending at the moment, you've got to be there. But in, uh, but I'm also doing a, a digital marketing degree. I got my master's when I was 70 in entrepreneurship. Okay, wait, slow down there, slow down. Because, yeah, that is something I really want to speak about is you started studying. I mean, so you didn't finish school. And then you decide at the age of 60 that you're going to go back to school, get yeah. your school. I mean, because here in Europe, like, this is crazy. Like, you know. <laughs> Everyone here say like, you know, it's super conventional wisdom. You do what everyone else is doing and and you go back to school at the age of 60. You don't just, you know, get your school diploma or your, your school's matric certificate. You just, you go way further than, than that. And you get your degree, your postgraduate, graduate, your, your MBA as well. Yeah. So uh, my matric, when I went to school, girls dropped, well, not all girls, but most girls dropped maths at standard eight. So we didn't do it for matric. So I didn't get yeah. a matric exemption. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to go to Boston, you have to have matric exemption. So I had to go back to school. And I remember I wrote matric in 1967. So you can imagine a maths thing was more like arithmetic as today. Yeah. So I had to go back to get my, my maths exemption. So I went to Red Hill High School in, in Joburg and I did extra lessons in the afternoons and most on a Friday afternoon I'd go in and I would do the maths with all the kids and all the extra lessons with them and and that's how I managed to get through that and then so then I did my business degree and then I thought well I'll do an honors because I could then I did my honors and then I then I did my master's and then now I'm doing a digital marketing degree as well and I got on I think to do my PhD in entrepreneurship so yeah but, you know, the question is, like, why? Because at this point, you actually don't even need to. No, I don't need to. I just want to. So that's the beauty of being able yes. to do it. I'm not doing it because my boss says I have to get it. I yeah. don't have to pass. But I still go for, you know, for high marks anyway because yeah. I'm for myself. And what better person to do it than for yourself? Because at the end of the day, the knowledge is the one thing nobody can take away from you. You know, whether we, you know, we live in, in Africa where you yeah. know, can take away from you in a minute but they can never take your knowledge away from you and I also do it to prove to the students who come to this please fund me I want to go to Boston I want to get this degree and you know you you must fund me and I said look I did I worked an 18 hour a day job and I got my master's at the same time if I can do it you can do it I'm living proof that if I can do it age 70 you can do it age 20 you know so that's amazing when it comes to social media and you know and just choosing the product uh, projects that you work on is there any kind of rule 
where you say, okay, like, this is not for me. This is like, I'm not going to post this online. Like, is there any? Yeah. I don't, I don't do politics. I can't stand politics. Yeah. I don't do politics at all. Mine is mostly empowering stuff. So if yeah. it's going to empower somebody, then I'll post it. If it's just, you know, not empowering, then I don't, you know, I travel a lot and yes. I started posting on my holiday pics and people say, you know, what are you posting your holiday pics for? But you can't believe how many people say, Margaret, I'm so happy because I can't afford to travel. Yeah. And when you travel, I actually feel I'm traveling with you and you post all your pictures and I feel that I'm in Zanzibar and I'm in America with you. And I just, I would never see these places Absolutely. and I would not know about them if you didn't post them. So for me, I get a lot of good feedback where people yeah. say, this is, I get a lot of people say, oh, you know, you're such a show off. You're showing us where you can go and we can't get there. But a lot of people say to me, I'm so excited and please post more photos because when we, when we, we can't afford to travel, but I just feel I'm traveling yeah. with you when you travel. So yeah, I do. I, I love your Zanzibar pictures, by the way, because it, it, it's it's very much, how do you say, drawing me into like, because I only come to South Africa. And I think, you know, when you when you live in, in Europe, everybody tends to gravitate towards Cape Town. And yeah. when you see other parts of Africa, you're like, OK, like this, this looks like a next destination. So nice. It's lovely there. It's a very relaxing holiday. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people want a vibey holiday. It's not a vibey yeah. holiday. It's a very <laughs> relaxing time in Zanzibar, yeah. Absolutely. So t- let's talk about image and, and you know, like you, you stand out, you definitely present yourself in a way that is very outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. How did you recognize that this plays a role in like just reinventing yourself in a role? Yeah. yeah in the position. I, that think, you- I think any woman every now and then has to completely reinvent yourself. I've done it yes. a few times in my life, but the last time I have two friends called Megan and Faye and they've got a company called Image Insured in Durban. Uh-huh. They approached me, in fact. I was talking and they said, we'd love to do a makeover on you and here's a voucher. And I thought, I'm not going to go, you know. And my friend just got divorced. And I said to her, you you really need a makeover. Here, take my voucher. You need it more than me. You go and have she went and had the makeover. And then I was at another function and blow me if I I didn't win this voucher again. So I gave it to her. And I said to my daughter, I don't feel like driving up to Hillcrest to go up there. You go. And she said, Mom, I can only tell you this because I am your daughter. You really need this makeover. So I went up. And if you want to, you can actually Google it on Image and Show. I will. I will. <laughs> makeover. And you see me going in, I grab white hair, white face, blue, blue eye makeup on my eyes. And she said to me, Oh my God, I've got to get that blue eye makeup off your eyes. It must have been there since the 70s. I said, no, <laughs> I've worn exactly the same eye makeup from 1960 to 2010. And she said, no, we've got to get it off. So she redid my makeup. She redid my hair, made it a different color. She redid my color skin. So you see, I always wear color. And yeah, and it literally changed my life overnight. And I would recommend it to any woman to go and have a complete makeover. And she, she, but you have to give them carte blanche. You can't say to them, don't cut my hair or don't do this or don't do that. I had long hair, I had hair to my waist. Yes, so, I know. You know. They made me look and feel completely different. And if you feel different, you become different. Oh, and I just, I became the woman that I wanted to be. I'd always wanted to be this, this type of a woman yeah. and became the woman. And you read Michelle Obama's book, it's called Becoming. I got it, yeah. Becoming the woman you want to be. And I got to where I wanted to be. So for me, it was really worth it. So kudos to Megan and Faith and Image Insured for making, for changing my life. Yeah. For the, yeah. No, that's very impressive. And, you know, it's something I always question because the women we tend to follow on social media, they, they seem to have it together. And you wonder, okay, but life is pretty hectic. But but does that little bit of like 
makeup does that little bit of 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 you know being on trend make a difference and i think it does mm-hmm. You you work, you know, you've been working with women for many years and and let's talk about business, women in business. Do you think there's a particular mindset that women get stuck in or or what do you think is the things that, you know, yeah, how do you encourage women to overcome these setbacks whatever well, they know, are? A lot of women make excuses and yeah. I'm just in fact I'm having lunch with one of my friends tomorrow who's making excuses she's busy getting divorced and she's making every excuse why she can't do this and can't do that. But you've just got to get over yourself and just decide to do it so i work with women in business a lot and most of them are women on their own because uh, if you've got a husband to fall back on you you're not hungry you're not desperate to make a a, a success of this so they're usually women on their own and i just help them i would say you know i've got five grandsons and they've all got these little train sets and the little train falls off the track and you just got to pick it up put it back on the track and it carries on going and a lot of and they sort of they fall off the track and if they get somebody like me can just help put them back on track they can keep going and it's just a matter of keeping going and being persistent I've got a, a TED talk coming out next month on persistence and resilience and you know you've just got to be persistent and resilient to keep just keep going you know you can't stop and I always say life is not a destination it's a journey you enjoy yeah. this journey every day but every day for me is an adventure and, you know, I enjoy my journey every day and I just try and be better. I say, so don't try and compete with each other. Compete with yourself. Every day I try and be better than I was yesterday. Great. You mentioned earlier about, you know, I mean, again, like you've been in the position that you are. I imagine that you definitely do get a lot of critics. How do you handle that? Because that is also, I think, a challenge a lot of women in business face is is we struggle with people pleasing. And I think we, we don't rec- recognize that it is that but it comes up in various forms yeah so uh, women are we taught as little girls to be sweet and nice and kind and we must like us and we have to be obliging and the whole story well you know in, in life you find that that's not going to get you very far yeah so i think you've got to stand up for yourself and it does take courage i mean i when i'm in a boardroom i'm always the only woman there yes. so it, the men will gang up on you and that and you just have to stand your ground and say no this is wrong and yeah. i think you've do things right and do the right thing all the time. It comes out right in the end. So a lot of women, they want to be sweet and nice and kind and obliging. But at the end of the day, you've got to stand up for yourself, stand up for what you believe is right. And and just don't – and I think also growing up without a father, I never had a patriarchal society. Yeah. I never thought that, that a man could tell me what to do because no man ever did tell me what to do. <laughs> And no man has ever told me what to do. So, you know, for me, I, I think if we can get rid of the patriarchal society, that women will feel so much better about themselves and know that they are not only equal but better than men yes. and they don't have to worry about men and people who put them down and other women put them down. I mean, I had a woman yesterday posting on, on my Facebook page that I had fired her when she was pregnant and that she'd worked for me and I was terrible. And She had never, ever worked for me in my life. I have never set eyes on this woman. Yeah. And if you looked at her profile, when she got fired from the job, which was with Elba, which is one of our suppliers, yeah. she wasn't pregnant at the time. So she fabricated this yeah. whole story and put it out there. And if you didn't know me, you would probably think I had been really horrible to her, but people who know me know that I would never do so that. So did you respond to that or you you just like, uh, okay, whatever? Worse. Just ignore it completely. Yeah. 
who if you add fuel to the fire, it'll get worse. So you just ignore it and then it goes away. So, but I mean, not one of the things she posted was true. She posted a whole lot of stuff. Wow. Not one iota was true. But you know, I found that when my daughter Lucy Hirsch, when she did our radio adverts, so hi, Lucy Hirsch was, was the yeah. punch, and she did very, very well with it. She made a lot of money from that. So other people employed her as well because of her voice. And people, they started our I Hate Lucy Hirsch Facebook page. Oh, wow. And not one of the people on that Facebook page had ever met her. And I never forget at the time she was actually pregnant and she blew up great big pregnant lady and somebody posted oh i've just seen lucy hirsch in santa city she's wearing a tongue ring and knee-high boots and all that and then it was not a shred of truth in it so i think a lot of times people just and how did you encourage your daughter in that time because well i mean we all knew it wasn't true so it didn't matter you know people knew her those who don't matter and there's a message don't mind so, you know, it doesn't matter if, if people say lousy things about you. I think it's quite nice what I have with somebody like Shane who goes through all my posts ahead of time and he will delete a lot of the ugly ones. And there yeah. are there always will be somebody who's got nothing to do who wants to be ugly. Yeah. But you know, I, so he only shows me the really nice ones. He deletes the ugly ones just occasionally like the one. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday was totally untrue. He said, "Can you believe she's made all this up?" Because we check it out. It was well, the whole thing was complete, complete fabrication. Of course, it's the internet. Um, you also have a safe home for girls in Johannesburg. And what inspired that? Again, like you, you're involved in so many things. And yeah, how do you? Yeah, you so I, I, there was a, 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 a video that went around of a girl in central Joburg who was actually having a bath in the street in a bucket. And I thought, you know, and they were teasing her because she was obviously she had to strip down naked and she yeah. was washed in this bucket because she was going for a job interview that day and I just thought no no woman should be put through that indignity yeah. it's so terrible so I bought a 17 bedroom house in Joburg in um, Melbourne and I set it up as, as a safe place for wow. just for girls so I buy the house and you know when you move into a house you presume it's going to be empty well I got there and there were two boys living there and they said we've lived here for six years we have nowhere else to go please don't put us out yeah. so I gone and they said oh, I'm going to get rid of these boys and when I got there these two little waifs were there and they were so so you know they were so good and honest and they yeah. were nice people so I couldn't put them out so yeah I've got a safe house for girls I've got two boys staying there anyway I said to them like you're going to be the security guard you're going to look after these girls and everything so oh wow and I, I had a lot of girls in there and, and, and originally I had you know it was girls who wanted to be safe so and but then you always get a bad element that crept in. And then, so the one day I got a phone call and what had happened is the neighbor had keyed into the electricity and Joe Big Power had come and switched all the electricity off on the road. They said to me, you know, the power's gone off. So I said, well, you know, Joe Big Power put it off because the neighbor has keyed into electricity and they're trying to sort it out. And the message I got from, from this is one that I take it off the street and put in there. Listen here, you privileged wife, but get yourself here and sort this out. Oh, wow. I got in my car and I went there and I sorted her out first and then I sorted the electricity out. So, you know, a lot of people are kind to other people and you expect them to be grateful they're not. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing you have to understand. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to get some water. Yeah, go ahead. And, you know, you think you're going to be kind to them and they're going to be grateful they're not. So you do it for your own self, not for them. But yeah. having said that, I've had amazing girls go through them and it's been yeah. wonderful. Oh, wow. That, that's crazy. But it's interesting to know that even through all of these experiences, you don't give up. I'm going to talk about your marriage to Ellen. And my experiences with Ellen is that he is 
super introverted and just so interesting to see how the brand has grown and him being so introverted and now you've you've taken on this 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 I think the face of the brand but yeah you guys have been married for 50 years what truths have you lived by in your marriage and I think you know you mentioned earlier that in the beginning it wasn't a a marriage like it's an intercultural marriage it wasn't something that both your in-laws or your parents approved of how did you, yeah, how did you, how did you navigate through that? Well, I think you know, there has to be, first of all, a great love. And I think everybody in their life has one absolutely fantastic love. Mm-hmm. I'll always marry them. You know, I was engaged four times before I was engaged to Alan. So I knew that they weren't the right one, but I knew that he was the right one. So yeah. I, and, we, and we both made a commitment to each other that we would make it work no matter what. And we still to this day have a, a, a huge, huge love for each other. Yeah. I think you have that absolute you know, there, there never would be another person. We were like swans. We made it for life, and that was oh. it. So I think um, you've got to make sure that you're right. And your partner will bring you 99% of your happiness or your unhappiness in your life. Uh-huh. So you make sure. And I, and I say to people, if you're not with the right one, you've got to get the hell out of there, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and because the right one will come along. And that was my own daughter. She married at, at very young at 21. It wasn't the right one. Oh. She got out of there she found the man of her dreams and now she's been happily married for nearly 20 years so i think if you make a mistake get the hell out of there and look for that right one because the right one is out there i know my sister-in-law was married three times and she said she couldn't wait she couldn't believe she had to wait till she was 61 to find the man of her dreams wow (laughs) so there's always hope no of course and i think one of the other things i just want to mention in a marriage you each have to give 100 percent. people think you have to give 50 percent. you don't you have to each give 100 percent. so i mean you what does a day in your life look like well i get up very early i get up four o'clock in the morning wow morning and then i meditate so i get up to about about 4 15 And then I meditate till about 4.30, only about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And then I put up a shower and I either go to gym when gym is on or I do yoga with my friend Glenda from 5 to 6. And then I get up, I shower, I dress, I'm at my desk at 7. And I have a meeting with all the different departments, either the web department or the admin department or the warehouse department. There's lots of different departments from 7 to 10 to 8. 10 to 8, we do our motivation for the start. And 8 o'clock, we have our staff meeting over Zoom till quarter past 8. Quarter past eight, I'm in one of the stores and I do the meeting again over the store. And then at half past eight, we do our product knowledge. So because we always be learning new products, we do sell so many different products. But knowledge till nine and then we open and then we have customers on the floor, yeah. webinar the whole day. And then I go home, I shower, I change. And then I usually have dinner with one of my suppliers or one of my friends at night. We have a dinner and I get home at 10 o'clock. I do a, a thousand emails a day. And I and when I'm studying, uh, so that takes me from ten to about midnight to do my oh, emails. Wow. And when I'm studying, I study for two and I sleep oh, for two wow. to four. But on oh, a normal yeah. night, I sleep from I sleep four hours. Yeah. And so, how do you rest? <laughs> Is that um, even I'll, in your vocab? I would say you're going to rest for when you're dead. It says in the Bible you'll sleep for eternity. So I'm going to have a good sleep when I'm dead. But for now, I'm going to go with my own. Yeah, but do you practice a Sabbath? You know, so I work. I work every day. Because I'm in retail, and retail yeah. is doesn't, it doesn't sleep. Eh? It's funny because here in in Germany, shops are closed on Sundays, and yeah. it was such an adjustment for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, yeah, they're very open. We're very busy on a Sunday. Yeah. Have you ever procrastinated over a project, or you know, been I'm, fearful I'm, I'm to start something? If I'm going to do something, I just do it. I just take it, brother. I, I, I'm, I'm, if you see, I'm very fast. I do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Three lessons you've learned as a businesswoman. Don't trust anyone. Trust your own judgment only. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And always look after the customer because the customer is the one who pays you at the end of the day. One last question. What is the craziest item you've sold in your store? Wow, I've sold some crazy items. I think probably the one that springs to mind is a customer came in to buy a fridge and I had bought a car without seeing it and I just didn't like this car. And I sold him my car and he went home with the car instead of a fridge. <laughs> and I came in and wanted to thump me because he, she never got her fridge and he spent all the money on the car. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's crazy. Oh, good stuff. So thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of feedback about this. So yeah, thank you so much. And you've encouraged us greatly today. Good. And now I hope to see you in 15 minutes on my Entrepreneurs Club, which yes. I'm going with right now. Thank you yes. very much. Thank you. Thanks, babe. See you soon. Bye.